Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with Mike Del Ponte. He's a 3X founder, VC, advisor to over $3 billion in total valuations. Uh, he had a company called Soma that was acquired, and he's now a CEO coach. Gives me kind of a similar vibe from looking at the things he's done as the uh, trillion dollar coach. I forgot his name, but you probably know who I'm referring to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coach Campbell. He was the legend, and he uh, Eric Schmidt wrote a book about him called Trillion Dollar Coach, and he coped, coached everyone from Steve Jobs to Eric Schmidt. And uh, yeah, not the trillion dollar coach. Uh, he's definitely <laughs> the king, but so happy to be here, Lucas, and talk to you yeah. about SaaS startups and agencies right. and how to scale and leadership. Fantastic. And so there's a lot of people who listen to this show who are majority agency owners, but a lot of them want to start their own SaaS companies or they already have their own SaaS products. And I would just like to know from you, when the right time to start a SaaS company would be if you're an agency. Like if you're an agency owner and you know the objective is to transition to SaaS, do you think people should just start from day one or do you think there's a time that probably is most optimal to start building something? I actually have a coaching client that's in this exact spot today. We just got off a call like an hour ago and I work with CEOs, mostly of venture-backed startups that are scaling really quickly, sometimes agencies. And right. one of my clients, he's got an agency, very successful, and he has a SaaS idea. And he was asking me this question, like, when do I do it? And to be honest, I think it's a personal decision. You know, right. there are two ways to look at it. One would be, I'm going to validate this with some clients. I'm going to have them cash flow this, and I'm going to de-risk this thing. And if, if the SaaS isn't getting picked up by my clients, then I'm not going to scale this. The other is I'm going to finance it myself. I'm going to raise capital to do it. It's really up to the founder's risk tolerance, how quickly he or she wants to grow it, and his level of conviction around this thing being successful. Fantastic. And so can you give us a background on sort of like your story in terms of these companies that you've scaled that have been acquired? Like, I feel as if I've actually heard of Soma from somewhere. What exactly did that do? I've started three different companies. Soma's the yeah. best well-known. It started as a competitor to Brita Water Filters. If you remember Brita Water Filters. Yeah. This was the time when direct-to-consumer companies like Warby Parker and Birchbox were popping up. And right. all of us founders were looking for opportunities to disrupt these boring traditional CPG brands. And Brita was like the king. It's this product that one in five households have yeah. in their refrigerator. It's ugly, doesn't work, and makes a lot of money. And we said, hey, what if we made it beautiful, sustainable, as a charitable aspect, we put a subscription on the filter and we sell it D2C. So just rethinking it from the ground up. Raised 10 million bucks for that. It was the best of the times. It was the worst of times. And the reason why I say that is, you know, it's important for founders to hear from other founders that no matter, yeah. you know, what you're going through, it's a roller coaster ride. You know, right. I now coach founder and CEOs every time I speak to them. One day it's the best day, the next day is the worst day. And so I went through that experience. I ended up hiring a coach to help me. Fortunately, we sold that business. And then since then, I've been advising and coaching startups. Now they're worth over $3 billion. And uh, what I, I did, Lucas, this really applies to any CEO, whether you're running an agency or you're running a SaaS startup, 
is I looked at what makes a great CEO capable of scaling these businesses. And it came down to yeah. three things. And I created a methodology around it called parabolic leadership. And now I help CEOs do that. And so uh, that's a little bit about my story. And I do have uh, founders that are running agencies and I have helped companies that are building SaaS companies. And to be honest, I think it comes back to those like human elements of leadership. Right, right. Very interesting. So I actually think I've seen advertisements for Soma. Um, when was that acquisition? Was that a couple of years ago? Or was that recently? That was 2017. If you were on Facebook uh, between 2015 <laughs> and 2017, we probably spammed you with lots of ads. So you definitely saw it there. And you've probably seen it on someone's uh, kitchen top or, uh, yeah. or fridge. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, okay. So then, but that's not a SaaS, right? So what got you into the SaaS space? And uh, was there a SaaS company you started after that? Or yeah, what was the background uh, there? I wish it was SaaS. The margins would be a lot easier and you don't have a supply chain around the globe like you do in CPG. Right. Uh, we did have a subscription and you know subscriptions are incredible. So uh, that was a little bit of an insight of dealing with things like lifetime value and churn. Right. And things right. are really important to SaaS. But then after that, you know, connecting with other founders that were building SaaS companies. And like I said, I think from a, a leader perspective, a lot of times it's around three things, vision, team, and resources. Great mm -hmm. CEOs say no to everything else. And they focus on crafting, conveying, and confirming the vision, recruiting and supporting the best team and bringing in the resources they need to fund right. this business. And so that's really how I've been supporting founders and CEOs uh, in different categories. So let's talk about fundraising because the thing about agency owners is that agency owners are kind of unique in a sense that they don't typically need money because they already have money. They're, they're cash flowing. A lot of times if they're successful, they're already making over six figure salary. Plus they have excess cash flow to put into investments like a SaaS product. When does it make sense for them to raise money on a product and either go VC or angel investor route? since you are a VC yourself, you mentioned. So like, when does that make sense versus just bootstrapping it and continue to scale through their own client base, maybe offering a solution to their own clients? Yeah, I think it's important to consider money as time. How fast do you wanna grow it? And so if you wanna hire a ton of engineers, if you wanna hire a big sales team, if you just wanna dominate the market and it's a land grab, raise some money. If you're more patient, if you have uh, some unique competitive advantage where you can take that market share without having to raise money, you could bootstrap it. But typically yeah. the, the companies that really wanna go fast, especially if it requires a lot of engineering, they're gonna raise some capital. You know, I actually am curious too, like what metrics you might look at that would indicate someone should raise. Cause I know a lot of it's about, a lot of times that answer is, you know, about patience and that, but I'm assuming when you're doing these, doing due diligence on companies before you guys invest, you're looking at different kinds of metrics to determine who's going to be getting money and who's not going to be getting money. We've actually created a set for ourselves if we end up going and raising, because we're kind of in that position I mentioned before, where we don't really need to raise, but we might maybe one day. Some of the things that we've come to for ourselves, just for our own like checks and balances to make sure we're not being overzealous if we do go raise money, is like if we have exhausted all acquisition channels that we are putting money into and we simply need more capital in order to really grow faster. Like our internal rate of growth is only a certain amount. It's not really growing faster than say 40% a quarter, right? Which would still be considered fast, but it's not like maybe lightning VC growth fast. Is there metrics where you look at a company and you say, wow, these are really good. These metrics are, are perfect. I would love to give this company some capital so I can then see them grow faster. 
are there certain like numbers that you typically look at more than anything else? Yeah. Well, the scenario that you just mentioned is the perfect one. That's the, Hey, we just need some more gas to pour on this fire. And so that is always the best time to raise the worst time to raise, which is often is, Hey, we need more staff. We need more marketing dollars. We want to try something new. That is the reality a lot of times, but it's also adding a lot of risk to investors. So if you have really tight CAC to LTV ratios, if you're selling uh, bulletproof annual contracts and that contract value is high and you're showing repeated month over month growth, that's a great indicator. And of course, it depends on stage. If you're really early and you don't have that traction, but you have an idea that a VC or an angel investor really believes in, you might not need that traction. You might just be able to pitch them on the grand vision. If you're later stage, you're definitely going to need that traction to get that investment. That's interesting. And I'm curious too, like, what do you think of this whole no code movement and uh, changing sort of that, like who are building SaaS products that are building their apps with no code? And I'm just curious if you've seen it, you love it. So you're, it's a good viable strategy for people when they're getting their MVPs built. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cheaper, faster is better. So, you know, at one point you may need to scrap that and build the code base from start. But, you know, if you can do it with no code and go really fast and cheap, it's, uh, you know, unless you are really scaled, you're not going to run into many issues. And there's that uh, famous saying by Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, like, if you're not embarrassed when you ship it, like you move too slow. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of people using no code, getting the prototype out there, building an MVP. And uh, once it's validated and, and perhaps after raising some capital and really building out a world-class team, um, then yeah. you know redo it. But in the early days, yeah, just go fast. So I think one thing that would help clarify when to raise money for agency owners who've launched a SaaS company would be understanding how much debt they should have versus their revenue growth every year. So for instance, I've heard some numbers float around on a podcast that I listen to, which is Nathan Lacka's podcast. I listen to his show a lot. And he mentions that from looking at the data, typically it's like the companies that can do, um, like for every incremental dollar that they raise, they're adding an incremental dollar of revenue. And it's usually that steady growth throughout their, their scale. Is there a better metric or another metric that you look at in terms of how much somebody should raise versus how much revenues they should, they should have? Is there a kind of a heuristic that you use for that? I think the reality around, especially over the last two years, amounts raised, valuation, it, there's no science to it. I mean, we've seen yeah. it all over the board. Uh, PitchBook has some great uh, data sets on this. If anyone wants to understand what are uh, you know, average uh, raise amounts and uh, valuations, they have the best data on it. Um, and so there's not a lot of science, to be honest. I think the way that founders and uh, VCs both look at it is what's my ownership, right? And so a founder is always protecting against dilution and he or she should think about where they are, how much money they're going to have to raise in the future and what their ownership is upon exit. And VCs are doing the exact same. You know, they, they have a certain amount of ownership targets and uh, they want to know how much they're going to get in the first round they invest, how much they're going to get upon exit. And so typically when you look at discussions related to amount raised and valuation. It's more on that. And then the metrics are sometimes used to justify it. 
Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to scale.twiz.io to get your free lead scripts today. That's scale.twiz.io scale s c a l e dot twiz dot i o now back to the show do you think that it's a good idea to raise right now or do you think that if founders should if they let's say there's an agency they're starting to build their software they're a bit into it and they're they're thinking okay i want to wait to raise when the markets are a little better so i could potentially get more capital do you think now is a better time to do it because maybe Maybe VCs are looking for a better opportunity and maybe because things are slowed down, there's a little more rationality around like the kind of bets to make. And maybe there's more synergy between the invested party and the investor, right? Like, is, yeah. is, is it still a good time to raise right now? Or what do you think? I, I think so. I think you kind of hinted at some of the benefits. Number one is if you get capital now, there is a little bit of a uh, vetting and a mark of, hey, you have something legit. If you would have raised 18 months ago where anyone who said the words Web3 and NFT got capital, maybe that wasn't so wise. You know, the valuations, they're depressed from all-time highs, but they're still higher than uh, the historic. So I don't think it's a bad time at all to uh, raise right now. The key thing, though, is for a founder, especially let's say you're an agency owner, you haven't raised before, you've got to understand the journey that you're starting. I mean, once you start on this path of raising, it's really hard. Um, you're making a commitment, especially if you go yeah. with VCs, you have fiduciary responsibility to them. They have a path that uh, makes sense for their business model. And I would highly recommend that anyone who is starting to raise capital goes online on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to agencygo.io forward slash leads to get your free lead scripts today. That's agencygo.io forward slash leads. Now back to the show. I love it. I love it, man. Uh, this is something that I knew that this podcast was going to be fire because, I mean, uh, I've been <laughs> connecting with you for a, for a while. But, I mean, man, I love doing this podcast because I'm learning right now. Like, this is something, yeah. you know, it's not like I don't know about courses. It's not like... I have so much information. We all have so much information being entrepreneurs and, and business owners that it's just always like about what strategy I'm prioritizing and doing. It's not that if I know how to do something or not, it's what am I prioritizing and doing. And right. and now you got me thinking, it's like, shit, I, uh, I've been thinking about the course, but now I, I, I automatically <laughs> got it to the top now. 
and definitely gonna talk to this about um talk, talk about this with my team for sure this is this yeah. is great man thanks thanks for for giving me the perspective because yeah. it's all about perspective 100%. really and strategy so 100 <laughs> i totally agree i mean it's it's it is definitely the most important thing it's what's given me definitely what's given me freedom to work on the software for sure that's definitely the reason yeah that's amazing because for me success i define success as freedom and impact that's what i yeah. define success and when you're saying these things it resonates with me right away yeah. because that's literally <laughs> what I, freedom it's it's half of the what i define success the other part is right because you can be free financially free and be on a mountain And that's really not impact, right? Like you're just free. Like for me, yeah. the other 50% is that impact because I just, it's, it just fills me up, like makes me feel good when I'm helping others because so many people have helped me too. And I just right. you know, want to reciprocate with the world. That's all. 100%, man. <laughs> it's what's so important. I mean, that's definitely my focus right now is trying to, to, to now, I've kind of come full circle because I started off my career as a musician and um, then I went into entrepreneurship because I felt like music alone can't solve the biggest problems in the world. You need like, you know, there's so many examples of this where people have huge concerts for like benefit concerts and then just nothing happens um, in the long run, which is sad. But I've kind of come full circle now because I feel like I spent the last five years building that infrastructure to where I know exactly what to do to build that, those resources that I need to make that impact. And then I'm actually going back into music, which is kind of fun uh as like a side career you know just because i love it and if it becomes the main thing that'd be cool i mean shoot if i one of my songs actually does well that'd be so cool but you know it, it is it is important to have both i mean it definitely is important to have both you're gonna burn out usually if you don't i find so i love it i love it and for me you know it's uh it's something that i i want to do other things i want to be uh also like i don't want to like necessarily just uh be a musician per se i like the like maybe a dj some uh some point i love yeah. i love electronic music and and i just want to be able to like do more like podcasts content be in the music right. industry and all, all those things that i really love and 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 that's something that that's why like i'm looking how to like fund the, the dream right like just just doing right. those things and and uh yeah this uh i, I think I'm, i'm figuring out a lot of things and now Uh, with my course coming up, you know, take it off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, I'll keep you posted. You know, like I, I, you know, I'm part of your community. Uh, probably yeah. be part of mine too. Uh, <laughs> so, please do. Please yeah. do. Yeah, cool. man. So, um, just kind of like just to kind of wrap this up. What do you think are the the biggest takeaways, just in general? Like, not necessarily mm -hmm. something that we talk could be something that we haven't talked that what are your, your biggest takeaways that you want to leave business owners or aspiring yeah. entrepreneurs? Yeah. Well, I think it is different for every person because if, you know, it's really about, you know, what's that goal in life. But I think for most entrepreneurs I talk to, it really is what I talked about previously, maximizing freedom, which really is maximizing free cash flow. That's why Warren Buffett, if you think about it in his model of like value, valuing companies is based on free cash flow models and things like that is because that's really all that matters at the end of the day. It's degrees of freedom you have because you've generated so much value for society, hopefully that you have so much profit. Uh, that's the hope. Now, my point with that is if that is the goal for most people and they want to generate the most profit possible, 
my thing I would, and I talk about this all the time on social, but my thing I would really implore people to do is don't miss out on this no code revolution that's happening. It is single-handedly, I think the most impactful event in business in terms of business software that's gonna happen in our lifetimes because it's basically taking the most powerful thing in the world, which is software, and giving it into the hands of pretty much everyone, right? Including marketers and things like that. That means that the number of things you can do and the amount of profit you can make is gonna go up dramatically. And so even though I tell people to make a course, I only do that because not enough people want to build software. But if people just knew how easy it was to build software now with visual programming tools like Bubble, there, because my whole app is not custom coded, it's built on a visual programming tool, which is called no code because like it's easier for people to wrap their heads around, but really it's actually a programming language that they've just made easier for everyone to use, right? So it is the most impactful thing that is happening right now. And the people who make the most money in the next 10 years will be people who realize that they can build software for 10x cheaper and 10x faster and they capitalize on it. And you don't have to be technical for this. I wasn't technical at all, but I spent the last like 18 months, I probably spent 3000 hours now just learning this, but you don't need to be technical to make this happen. You don't. And so that's my biggest takeaway is everything that I've said so far, if your goal is to make profit and to build freedom and have a business that allows you to do whatever you want, it would be kind of silly for you not to look at no code because it is better than a course for sure. I mean, a course is great. And if you don't want to do it, then if you don't do a software, then do a course, but it's like, it's just such a massive opportunity that I'm surprised more people aren't. So what about a course on no code then? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, right. That's a huge opportunity too. Yeah. That's that's, another one based on what you said. Um, right? I could technically be learning and documenting my no-code journey. And then that way I can create the course and the no-code and and then leverage it for PR. Damn, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 100%. I mean, probably the biggest opportunity if you're like, so if you're not trying to go down like the software route in the long run, and you don't want to build like a, a huge software product and everything, then what I would tell people to do is literally just focus on building a free tool that is really fire that people actually use that relates to your service. And then just use that as your lead magnet for the next decade. And it's not hard to build that. You know, it's really easy to build something like that. That's if you're really set on going the service route, the most money is being made in software for sure. But if you're trying to go service and it's just, that's where you want to go, then that's what I would do. So cool, 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 cool. Biggest takeaways, either a course or a no code, uh, no code, uh, getting, yeah. uh, getting that, you know, like, it's not like I, I haven't heard people talking about it, even though I, I know because of, you know, just kind of like social media and stuff. Like I, I know how easier has gotten, uh, into, into that because it's, it's still code. It's just now there's something else doing the the actually, right? Like it will yeah. go from zeros to one to now it's X equals something. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, now you just put some letters and then yeah. that just in automatically gets translated up to the ones yeah. and zeros for the computer. 
hundred percent. Well, also just because if you think like a developer, the more you can think like a developer, the better you're going to scale, the faster you're going to scale because all problems really are just systems issues. And that 10 X improvement you could get in a software can also be a 10 X improvement you get in your agency because your software is so good. So that's, that's why I think you should do it. It's, it's kind of like what this will end up being, I think in the next decade is just like kind of somewhat of basic computer skills, like knowing how to use Excel, it's going to be almost required for everyone to know. Cause before it was really, it definitely was predicated on, are you a math oriented person? Like, do you like that? And that's why I kind of stayed away from it for a while because I wanted to be science and a little bit of math, but mainly like design as well. Cause I love that. And more like product design, not really graphic design. So I'm not the best graphic designer, but just more like I love delivering a product that people would love, but it would always take so long to get that product to market that I was so dissuaded by or, or discouraged, right? But now it takes 24 hours to get a product to market, even with minimal coding experience on this tool. Like you could literally jump in, build something in less than 24 hours and start making money off it now. And people don't know that. That's why it's an arbitrage opportunity though. So this is why I keep harping on this. There's only 2 million people in the world who use the most popular no-code platform and that's Bubble. So it's an enormous arbitrage opportunity because those 2 million people are able to build software 10 times faster than anyone else. But only 2 million people in the world <laughs> are using it right now. And that's it, you know? So I just think it's such a massive opportunity. No, I'm already I'm already thinking. Uh, I'm going to check it out for sure because uh, I'm already thinking about like, oh no, what kind of processes for my agency right now could I try to build into this right now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because even if it's yeah. as easy as us, just like the onboarding process to do it your way, right? To just yeah. do it that way. So that's pretty cool. That's 100%. pretty cool. And I love, um, I'm going to, I have a, a, this thing called tech crawl uh on uh yeah. on uh on thursday so i'm gonna be uh -huh. going around like all these different boots in tech because i mean tech tech uh business leaders in the tech space are, right. are ideal clients for me so i'm gonna be probably talking about that to you <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for giving me the weapons to to be talking to these people i mean tech people they either know about it or they should know about it so, right well there's a lot of people who are still frowning on it and that's also why it's a good arbitrage opportunity because there's a lot of people who think oh, this will never scale or I don't, why would I use this for my company? Which to that, I pretty much just say, look, I don't think it needs to, because at the end of the day, you could always just migrate to another kind of, if you have enough money you're making off of it, it doesn't matter. You can fund the redevelopment of your app, you know? And usually what I've noticed, because we already did one major migration recently. What I've noticed is that when you do that migration, you get a lot better at it the next time. And a lot of the features that you had before, you don't actually want in the software going forward because you get another opportunity to basically start from scratch. So my point is basically, if you actually get into a situation where you're, make, you're making so much money and it's scaling so fast that you need to make a custom, then you're gonna have enough incentive and cash to make a custom. So like go build it first and then, yeah, and then make a custom if you really want to. Otherwise, don't, and you don't have to, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my main takeaway. That's kind of, it's the same thing in just business in general. When people are like, oh, I don't know if I can take more than 10 clients right now. It's like, how many clients do you have? 
two. I was like, what are you worrying about that? Like, <laughs> yeah. like get the 10 and then worry about it after, right? Yeah. So, and that's 100%. that's kind of how I operate. And, and it's not just like take money and then figure it out, like type, like, you know, oh, like, I don't know if I can do it. Just, you know, be intentional about it. But but don't start worrying about things, problems that haven't happened, right? If it yeah, that's happened. a big thing. That's definitely <laughs> a big thing. People People really do. They really do make that mistake. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. Like this was super valuable. Got me thinking a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of why I want to do this. I just want to have a valuable conversation and then be able to share it with the world and see what people think about it and create content so we can push it to even more people. So 100%, man. 100%. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Last thing is, uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people here. They're going to be like, damn, I need to talk to this dude. I need to learn about this community. <laughs> How can people find you? Yeah, well, they could shoot me an email uh, if they want to get in touch. Uh, Lucas at T is in Tom, W is in Walrus, I is in Igloo, Z is in Zebra.io. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter. But if you look up my Twitter, it's uh, Get Agency Go. That's my Twitter handle. If people want to listen to the podcast, they can get anywhere that they listen to podcasts, how to scale an agency. Uh, and then I guess finally, I guess maybe if you want to put it in the show notes, but if people did want to join the membership, they can get 30% off their membership. And then we guarantee at minimum $1,000 in sales in the first 30 days for your money back. And that's been working for the 450 people that are part of membership right now. So I'm happy to give that to your audience as well. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas, for this. It's super interesting. This is, we're going to keep talking about this and a lot more. And uh, yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. And hopefully uh, next year I can have you again and then we can talk about yeah. the awesome things that we did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. This is Lucas and Fu signing off.